Well, hold on. Okay. That was that was anticlimactic. Hold on. Supposed to have some fun music there. Ah. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions. <laughs> www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and obviously I've not had any coffee this morning, um, starting us off that way. And I am super excited for y'all to be here today because um, I have someone that I have met online through my writers group. Didn't want to get that to get weird for us here early. Um, but she has been so much fun to talk to back and forth, and um, I am super excited to tell you all about her. Her name is Hillary Grossman, and she is recovering corporate executive. She spends her mornings and weekends hanging out with her characters. She has an unhealthy addiction to denim and high heel shoes, and she's been known to walk into walls and fall upstairs. Um, she only eats spicy food and is obsessed with her cat, Lucy, and she loves to find humor in everyday life. She likens it to life to a game of dodgeball. Um, and she tries to keep many balls in the air before they smack her in the face. She lives on Long Island, obviously writes comedy because that is a brilliant, brilliant bio. Um, you can find her at Amazon author page as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and her website. So welcome to the show, Hillary. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm so glad to be uh, here. So I'm looking at, you know, your your covers and I mean it's just like and then your whole description, I mean you obviously have a lovely and fabulous knack for comedic timing. Um, has this always kind of been your vibe, or um, have, is this something that you someone said, please go do something with that all that wonderful humor, or what? How did you fall? In, how did you get into writing? Um, got into writing. I always wanted to write, and then mm-hmm. you know I started a million books when I was in college. When I first graduated, never did anything with them. Then I sure. read Jen Lancaster's um, book, Bitter is the New Black, and I discovered oh. what a blog was. And I'm like, hey, this is my chance to try this. And I started my blog um, like days after reading her book. And I'm okay. like, wait, this is fun. I like this. And I just right. I love it. And how long ago did you start? Um, probably about eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. And you said you were a recovering corporate executive. What um what did you what did you do? The least likely thing for a humorous author. I was a CFO for a beverage importer. Wow, yes. That is rather anticlimactic for a comedy writer. <laughs> but but that's why I needed to be a comedy writer. My my days yeah. my days were just so super stressful and so so much of a pressure cooker, I needed an escape. And my characters were always my escape. Right. So tell me, what is something people don't know about that the, the beverage industry? Because my, my brother works for a big grocery store chain, and so he tells us you know, stuff that, you know, the, the, the craziness of get, trying to get orders and, and uh, different things that happen. What are some of the things that people don't realize that it takes to get the drink from the actual, you know, mark, the actual creator to the shelves? Oh, so much work. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, you know, it's, it's really, it's the hardest business to really succeed in. You know, unlike other businesses, you could have, you know, a million books out there. And if right. someone is a reader, they're going to keep reading. And it doesn't matter if it's your book or 
10 other people's books. But if you're drinking, it doesn't matter that all of a sudden there's 15 extra vodkas in the world. You're still going to have one or two cocktails, and it's just harder to break in. It's just, it's very, very difficult, and it's just such an incestuous industry. Everybody is connected, and everybody knows each other. Wow. Yeah, I guess that would be. And and it's all about contacts, too, because you know who's reliable and who's not, and like any business. Um, exactly. I think that would be part of it. Yeah. And so do you incorporate some of that into your books? Like that kind um, of, you know, craziness? Not really yet. Um, I'm still too much in the recovery stage, but I will <laughs> okay. be writing I will be writing a book about um, an office. That's probably going to be my next project. But okay. in Go On Girl, my main character is a CFO of a food importer. So okay. it's little, little pieces. Like each, each one of my stories has something about me in there. Like I manage to be all of my characters in some manner, shape, or form. And my sure. husband is not a reader, but he only reads my books because I force him. And he sits there <laughs> on the exercise bike, and I'm next to him on the elliptical, and he's like, oh, I remember when this happened. Oh, yeah, I know this. I know this. You know, so I, oh, yeah. everything that kind of happens in our life somehow manages to make it into a book. Right. Yeah. I I write medical romance, and so I was a, a trauma nurse, critical care nurse for ten years. Oh my and, god. Um, yeah. And and um, it's interesting because you know I used to come home, and and you need to vent to someone, right? And so at the mm-hmm. time, I would just call my mom, and I'd say, um, you know just venting and she just say you have to be making this up there's just no yeah. way people do this and i'm like mom it i said mom you work in a law office you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course but, you know but, but i'm, but I'm yeah. sure your mom had crazy stories because my mom worked in a law office for a million mm-hmm. years and she would come home with these stories i'm like you're just making that up that can't happen yeah yeah people aren't that petty it's like <laughs> they really are <laughs> they really are <laughs> She, I think when was it years ago? She worked. She was working for a probate lawyer when we lived in Houston, and um, there was this will that um, this woman had gone through and itemized every bit of jewelry she had. Like, oh so I give this tiny charm to this person, and this, t- you know. And my mom was laughing because some of the jewelry that she was giving away was stuff she was expecting to inherit from her mother-in-law. So she oh was God. already. Like, <laughs> my mom's like, well, that's going to be interesting because we already know what the mother-in-law's will is, you know. So oh my god! Yeah, that is hysterical. Yeah. So I can only imagine what the reading was on that one. So yeah, that's that's a that's a skit. That's that's a a section for sure in a in a book. So, yeah. um, um, but yeah, it's it's. I think people don't. I, I think they love reading the craziness that people do, um, but I think sometimes people don't really believe that it's it's based on anything real. But it all does. So the whole reason I started writing Go On Girl, which was the first book in the Forest River series, which I never intended to be a series, was because yeah. one of my closest friends, she messaged me one day, and she's like, Hillary, if you saw what was going on with my phone about carpool, you could write an entire book about this. And I'm like, I call her up. I'm like, what the, what's going on? And she tells me, I'm like, you're making this up. She's like, no. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm writing this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always the everyday stuff that gets people. It's never the grandiose stuff. 
No, it's, and it's really funny yeah. because I don't have children, but I write mommy would. But every single story that happens to my ladies happens to one of my friends. And people yeah. reach out to me all the time and like, no, this, this, is, this is in real life. I'm like, yeah, that happened to my friend Tanya. Yeah, that happened to my friend Heather. Yeah, that happened to Melissa. Because it, it's, it's yeah. all true. It's crazy. Yeah. Real life is crazy. I, I, it's, it's amazing to me what, um, what people will focus on. And I think sometimes, you know, I, being in, in medicine and, and you've been in the corporate world and you kind of see the different, oh, I don't know, um, uh, approaches to the world. Um, it, it thinks sometimes people will focus on what you and I would consider the most mundane, ridiculous angles, but mm-hmm. it's what they can wrap their heads around because everything else is just too much. Yeah. So yeah. true. So it's, it's sometimes, you know, as much as, as frustrating as it is, um, I think sometimes too we have a tendency to um, just focus on what we can um, and so, yeah, but those of us that are on the outside looking in are going, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why, why are you, do you care what color shirt your kid wears in this picture? Um, I, just going to go in a box. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the shirt, not the I, kid. <laughs> right, the shirt, the picture. <laughs> You're going to lose it in five minutes. <laughs> I know. It, and oh. it's always funny because, you know, sometimes I'll say, I'll show my kids the pictures, just, you know, this is what, same kind of posing and backgrounds. Um, forever, and you they are like, "Oh wow, and then it 's that oh wow, for like five seconds, and then mm-hmm. like, oh okay, well <laughs> but, and then <laughs> that it's was like exciting. with everything with life it 's like the most important thing at that moment, and then it 's forgotten three seconds later, right, and like I love right. just like kind of setting back and like observing and listening, going, "Oh my God, this is in real life, yeah, well, and it 's little details too, like uh, there was one time I was. I was writing, I think it was my first book, and, and I needed to have a coffee shop scene and, mm-hmm. um, you know, an intermittent order being yelled out. And I was feeling incredibly unoriginal um, at the time or that particular moment. And so I just said, I'm going to go sit at Starbucks for like two hours. And all mm-hmm. I did was write down every order that was called oh, out. Really? That's funny. Yeah, and it was so interesting because it was stuff like, what? You do that? People ask for this? You know, it's like, um, you know, Venti half-calf with half a pump of syrup, two Splendas, and, you know, you know, up, down, turn around, give a dime. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the craziest. I'm just write, feverishly writing all these things down. And, I, you know, of course, it made more sense instead of me just yelling, you know, Venti coffee with cream right and it makes it so much more funny (laughs) yeah yeah and and of course you know the characters start going who orders that you know it's just yeah so it's it's just kind of a fun process but yeah reality is is far funnier i think than anything that could be created um i used to get my nails done at a salon where i used to live and i would go there and i would have a notebook with me the same the same thing you were doing because there was always mm-hmm. someone or someone's child that said the funniest things oh yeah and half of those oh, stories yeah. are in, in one of my books you know like the yeah. kid, eight-year-old kid who needed a 10 minute, minute massage because she was very stressed oh for sure mm-hmm. for sure yeah 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 um so you've got go 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 on girl and then it's is it mom boss and then mom jeans it's, or is it um, mom well, jeans and mom boss? It kind of it, it doesn't really matter. Um, okay. Go on, girl. They're all individual stories and they're all standalone. Okay. 
Go On Girl and Mom Jeans takes place at the same period of time, just focuses okay. on different moms. Mom Boss is a prequel that goes back five years. Okay. And okay. then I'm working on the fourth book in the series, Mom Rules, that will also be the same school year. Okay. And then that comes out pretty soon, yes? Yes. Um, at the latest, August. I'm hoping that I could have it ready before. I'm happy So how done. long does it usually take you to write a book? Um, I'm still figuring that out. It yeah. <laughs> took me a lot longer when I was um, in the corporate world because I would only sure. have a little bit of time um, on weekends to write, so it would take me about a year to write. My last one I did in about six months. Oh, wow, good. Yeah, good, good. And, and the one thing about our new way of life is I don't leave my house pretty much, so I have a lot of time to write. Right, yeah. And so y'all have been um, basically just working from home at this point. Yeah, we've been I've been going into my office a little bit over the last two to three months, but for the most part I've just been home. And, you know, when you no longer have social life, there's a lot more time to write. Yeah. It, I think, you know, what What has been kind of your um, go-to with this? Because it, that is a massive shift mentally for sure. Uh, when you're, you know, your creative energies are set up in your brain a certain way that, you know, okay, i got to get these things done and then I can get to the writing or what have you. How have you kept that creative vibe going for yourself with all the insanity going on in general? It was a real struggle. Um, so I started Mom Boss right before the pandemic started. Okay. And then I was making great headway with it. And then everything kind of went crazy, and anxiety was through the roof. And mm-hmm. I just I could not, I could not touch. I couldn't think funny. Like, there was no funny in the world. I couldn't think funny. I couldn't write. And I just let it sit. And then maybe a month or so in, I turned back to it, and the same way when I was really super stressed at my old job and I would turn to my characters, I turned back to the crazy ladies of Forest River, and I'm like, you guys have to help me get through this. And yeah, I just, like, emerged myself in their story, and by getting in their heads, I got out of mine, which okay. was just yeah. such a relief because I was able to focus on the petty drama of getting into the PTA and who likes who and is this kid popular enough and stop thinking about the real world. Yeah. And kind of dive into this other, um, yeah, I was, I have four kids and I was going to be that mom. I decided when they were little, I was going to be that mom who was, you know, was going to read the books they're reading and I was going to listen to music they were reading and you know, I was going to be really, you know, that mom that was always going to know and have the answers. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, that didn't happen um, because not because I didn't want to. It just, I think ideally, and I'm sure with your friends you've talked about this, um, ideally it sounds really good, but, it, but it's just, it's, you know, just keeping them alive some days is just all you can do, you know, like, yeah. and that they're in, they've been fed, and they might get a bath, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I used to. I used to laugh uh, when my our second child was little, because I'd be sitting on the on the chair, breastfeeding her. Our toddler would be sitting next to me and be watching the Wiggles. That's when my husband would walk out the door to go to work, and then when he'd come home, I'd be sitting in the chair, breastfeeding her, sitting next to the toddler, <laughs> watching the Wiggles. This was like 
he'd be kind of, I remember one time he's like, did you get up today? And I just looked at him like, yeah, you don't even want to pick that thread right now, you know. Um, yeah, and, and it's just, it's exhausting when they're little. And then, you know, they get more mobile, and then you got to make sure they don't eat, like, dog food. Cause, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's um, I give it to moms that, uh, you know, work at home and then work outside the home, and uh, it's a lot. It's a big juggle. And there's dads doing it too, you know, that yeah. are just, like, juggling the whole thing. And uh, But there's always great stories with it. Um, and, yeah, I'm so glad your friends talked to you because this is hysterical <laughs> stuff. And we all know these people, and we've probably all been these people um, oh, yeah. at some point or another. Yeah. And that, that's, what, that's, that's the feedback that I get from people. They're, they're like, this is my story. Oh, my God, I know yeah. these women. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, it's also the, the beautiful part of it is to know when to say, you know what, this is crazy. Why am I trying to um, compete with mm-hmm. a three-year-old? You know, it, it, this is insane. So it, I think the, the process of, of self-realization is, is always a good one, too. So that's, I mean... You you want the laughter too, but she, but it's it's really great how you've woven all that in there, um, just to self actualization as it were, um, but to also laugh about it a little bit too. Um, yeah, and and my ladies they are very misbehaved. They're they're crazy, <laughs> but they also have really good hearts. And when you get to right. know them, you know. So my villain in well, I have two villains in the series, and. One of them is the PTA queen, um, mom boss. And so when right. I wrote that, that book, so many people reached out to me and they're telling me, I never thought I would love Jackie the way I love Jackie, but now mm-hmm. I love her. And that's yeah. what I'm doing in this one. The other villain, she was made out to be a really bad woman. But the truth is completely the opposite. So I'm twisting the story and I'm making someone that you hated for the last three books into be someone that you're just going to want to give a hug to. Yeah. I hug her all the time in my mind. Yeah. And I love that. I love that we get to see the different perspectives because, you know, as, as we're sitting there watching this play out, it's like, Oh gosh, that's a terrible person. And then you find out who they are, like they really are. Um, right. And that's a that's whole different thing. Yeah, but it is. Realize everyone has their own story, and you, the, the picture that you see of that person is really not necessarily that person. Like, yeah. I know people that I used to work with, they see me now, and now that I'm outside of that, that, that pressure cooker, they're like, mm-hmm. are you the same person? Like, who mm-hmm. are you? I'm like, well, now you're, inter- you're meeting home Hillary, because home Hillary yeah. was completely different than work Hillary. And we right. do all have we have all these different faces and all these dis- different masks that we wear all the time. But who are we really underneath? And that we're not always necessarily what we present for whatever reason. Right. Right. So is this you know how many more books in this series do you have? And then do you, and do you have a, a, a plans for a, another series or a new direction of writing? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I really don't know. I was never planning on writing four books in the series. And when okay. I finished Mom Boss, I wasn't really planning on writing the fourth one. But the character just kept on talking to me, saying, like, hey, I need, you need to tell my story. You need to tell my story. I talk right. to my characters a lot. Um, 
but I think this is going to be the last one. So like okay. I say, in the middle of the night, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't fall asleep, and I had an idea for another, for book five. So I really mm-hmm. can't say never. Um, I do right. think I need a change. Um, I'm a little tired of the ladies. I think I want to do something different. I really think I want to focus on an office type of series. I have so yeah. much funny that I could share in that. So I think I want to give that a spin. But yeah. like, I can't put these ladies down. They just, they, they, there's so many of them, and they all have, like, a piece and all have a story, and they've become my friends. So I don't know. Maybe there might be another mom book. So, um, yeah. So have you had people write to you and say, well, where's so-and-so's story? And that wasn't the story you were planning to write. Um, and like, yeah, they're like, what happens to so-and-so? And you're like, I don't know. I didn't plan to do anything. And they're like, oh, yeah, you have to write about so-and-so. Well, that, that's kind of what happened with this one. I was getting okay. so much feedback going, like, how could Donna have done that? How could she have hurt Jackie like that? After everything that happened, how could she have done everything she did in – mom jeans, and how could she have done everything she did in Go On Girl, which made me say to myself, hey, she needs to have her story heard. Mm-hmm. And then people would reach out to me and also say, I, I didn't think this about this character. I, what, what, what was going on with her head? I never thought she had a, a career. I never pictured her being a city girl. Um, she really has a good marriage. I thought that was just fake. And it made me realize that people had such misconceptions about the characters based upon what they saw in the other books because each book takes place under um from one of the mom's eyes so mm-hmm. really everything that donna did in these books did she really do it or was this just how the other moms interpreted it right right yeah assumption is a terrible thing Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it's yeah. also really kind of hard because we do it, I mean, I know I do it all the time. If I'm friends with you and you have a fight with Jane and you start mm-hmm. telling me everything that Jane did, especially if I don't know Jane that well, I'm going to let your opinion of Jane cloud my judgment. Sure. And I think that's a lot of what happens in, in this story. Yeah. And I, and I think it's hard, too, because, you know, we want to give our friends the benefit of the doubt. We want to. Um, but, again, we also know our friends sometimes that we go, well, yeah, you know, sometimes you do kind of freak out. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that gentle balance of saying, okay, well, wait, let's just, you know, <laughs> right. we're not going to cancel culture, you know, Debbie, because you know, she didn't like your shirt. Um, so, yeah, it's a... It, it's definitely uh, the the politics of of uh, being a parent sometimes is, is kind of crazy, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you you live in in Long Island, correct? Correct. Okay. So, how is it all decorated out right now for the holidays? Is it all looking sparkly? It's starting to look a little sparkly. Um, it seems less decorated than normal. Okay. But I think that's also because okay. I'm not traveling around as much. I mean, I basically never leave my house these days. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's starting to look a little bit like Christmas, but there's, like, no Christmas feel. We're, okay. I mean, we've, where I live in the area where I lived, we were hit really hard really early on with the virus, and I think mm-hmm. people are just very, very scared. 
Sure, and tired. I'm sure it's it's exhausting thinking about it, Um, which is why I've I've been talking to a lot of people um, over the the course of, you know, the last several months, and a lot of people have either been watching more Netflix or, you know, TV or reading um, Mm -hmm. for that wonderful escapism. and. I've also been doing jigsaw puzzles. I think that's another popular one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And it's interesting because, like we were talking about with your creative energy, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, now I'm home and I can do all this stuff. But that's a whole different vibe when you have to stay home because of something versus you get, you know, you, things change and you're able to um, under different circumstances. So, uh, so tell me what were some of your inspirations growing up for comedy? Like what were the things that were just like your go-tos? That's a hard question. I guess it was TV. Mm-hmm. I, I was always a very big TV watcher, which is funny because I barely watch TV now. Yeah. But I would watch a lot of TV. I would watch comedians on TV. I probably shouldn't say, but um, my dad was a big Buddy Hackett fan, so I was uh-huh. watching that as like a six-year-old girl. Um, sure. Yeah. But... <laughs> It's not very age appropriate, but I know. I I I talk about you know I I graduated in '86 and from high school, and I was you know I'm looking back at some of these movies, and I'm like, wow, I watched that with my dad. That's Mm -hmm. probably not okay, and you know, not in a bad way, but it was because I mean, you know, my parents were '60s kids, and so. You know, no big deal, right? You know, we're just going to sit here and talk about whatever. And right. so it wasn't, yeah, it's it's just, it's very interesting. It's very different. But, yeah, um, <laughs> I yeah, know exactly I, what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and I was an only child. So, I mean, I didn't have brothers and sisters to, like, go hang downstairs in the den with and watch, you know, kid-appropriate TV. So I watched whatever my parents watched. So right. I remember being right. in, like, first grade coming back from lunch and everyone was talking about like Bugs Bunny and I was saying oh my god you never know you can't believe what happened on Young and the Restless today because <laughs> like that's what I was watching yeah yeah I remember watching the very first Saturday Night Live oh really yeah that was yeah. fun it was very interesting because I was let's see that was in 75 so I was 8 or 9 and I'm sure someone's like, you were up that late on a Saturday? I'm like, yes. Um, and, and, of course, Monty Python came on after, which was a little bit more cerebral than what I could understand. My parents, my father thought it was hysterical. Um, but with, yeah, the original Saturday Night Live. And, and so I could get some of the skits, like they'd have Land Shark and some of those mm-hmm. others. But uh, the, the commentary on the news, I really didn't know what they were talking about most of the time so I would just key off my dad like if he laughed and I'd laugh type thing which I'm you know with you watching certain things with your parents like that mm-hmm. um, comedians and stuff it's like oh that was funny <laughs> I don't know what happened <laughs> you know? but it's so funny because I was probably around the same age when my cousins mm-hmm. babysat me and they let me watch Saturday Night Live too for the first time and I remember uh-huh. just laughing and I don't remember if it was funny but I remember laughing because they were laughing and I right. was up all night and the next day, they, and they they played me really hard, and I never was a sleeper. I'm still not a sleeper. And the next day, I fell asleep at 8 o'clock, and I remember my mom, like I heard it as I was falling asleep. 
Sydney. I think she's dying. I think I think there's something really wrong with this child. She never goes to bed. She's saying she's tired. Oh my God, she must be dead. We should I call a pediatrician? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that was different. Yeah, there's there's a great commercial years ago. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was a couple that they dropped their kids off. They're they're probably elementary school age. Um, at the babysitter, and the babysitter takes them to the beach and has them dig holes and then um, takes them to this hill, and they run up and down this hill, and they're on the treadmill, and then he takes them back to the beach, and he's like, and it's a car commercial, you know, like you can get from here to there, you know, really fast type thing. And uh-huh. then the parents show up, and the kids are just white. And and, he's, and they're just like, wow, they must have had fun or something like that. Um, you know, and, and the guy just basically let them just – use up all their energy so yeah oh that's brilliant <laughs> i could use that yeah i, I know dig some holes <laughs> right let's all dig holes in the you know in the sand it'll be great um be like joey where we he goes look i dug a big hole and then all the water comes in so yeah <laughs> i'll have to do it again so, yes what were some of your um favorite shows growing up well young and the restless Okay. As you know, every first grader needs to watch a soap opera. Uh, hey, um, I watched, I stayed with my great-grandma, and we watched, um, let's see, Price is Right. Uh-huh. And then you watched uh, All My Children when it was only half an hour. And then, I know, crazy, like, ancient stuff. And then, um, I think, Another World. Another World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a Channel 2 girl, so I just stayed yeah. with that one. I loved Cagney and Lacey. Do you remember Cagney and Lacey? I do. I do. I love them. Yes. I I, I wanted to be Mary Beth Lacey so badly. <laughs> um, and then what I about comedy-wise? Comedy-wise, Three's Company. I love Three's Company. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think. Remember Welcome Back, Cotta? Oh, that yeah. That one was hysterical. Oh, yeah. I used to like that one a lot. Yeah, and to think that you know that one guy in it was still, you know, still um, hanging out and get big, became the big star that he did. Yeah. Yeah, but like all of them, there was like such great TV shows back then. Like everything was funny. Yeah. You know, did you ever watch like, Bewitched? Love Bewitched. Uh huh. I, I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to be her too. I wanted to be able to wiggle yeah. my nose and make wishes. I still yeah. do. I, I know. I, I Back totally, to life, I, I wanted to go to a boarding school. Right, right. I'm trying to think what else. Um, there was a, I mean, there's just so much. That time, TV just really exploded. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and you just would just, I remember. Shows. Yeah, and I remember just, you would have dinner and then watch TV for hours after. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and I think wasn't it that was in the '80s. So when, um, like, they started to uh, NBC started to dominate Thursday night TV, um, and it was the Cosby Show started with that. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was so a the good Cosby. One. Sh- it was, you know, if you, and and we'll just ignore for the moment. We'll just take the reality out of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a really well done, um, beautifully set up show, and it was. It was interesting because the Cosby Show. I watched the documentary a while back. The Cosby Show um, in, inspired Married with Children because, yeah, because the creators of Married with Children, 
I, I remember watching the guy was saying, you know, people are watching this, and you know there's people out there that hate this. They hate everything looking great and perfect in this great family. What is the opposite of that? And that's what they created. They created Married with Children. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I never knew that. Yeah. It was, it was just very interesting to, to see the dynamic of it. It was, perp- it was very extremely purposeful. So everything mm-hmm. was opposite. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was that. Um, gosh, what else was there? And then there was all these great shows, like in the evening, the, like the dramas. You know, you had Dynasty and, and oh, Dallas. Oh, Dallas and, and not yeah. landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's so much drama, like. Oh, wait, when, when Alexis and Crystal went pulling each other's hair out. Oh, those are the good old days. <laughs> yeah, that, and I'm sure that probably inspired some of your situations in your, your series with the PTA. It's like, hey, look, it's Alexis and Crystal. <laughs> yeah. You know, they never had a cast fight yet. I think I might have to change that. Yeah. A little yeah. good hair pulling. Yeah. Or maybe I could save that for the office book. Because that has that oh. happened in my old office. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a good cat fight once. <laughs> and, it's pro- and it was probably something that the the, the uh, catalyst was probably something minor, that it's something that's just been building for a while. Oh, yeah. And it was two of the most unsuspecting people that oh. when, when I found out yeah. about it, I'm like, you got to be kidding. Those two? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, yeah, it's always very interesting to see what, what transpires. And then it just, you know, I guess we could, you could call us the note takers of life. You know, we're just going to um, <laughs> write it all down. It's so and then... true. So lots of times I'll go out to dinner and my husband will be like, Hillary, Hillary, are you here? And I'm like, shh, I can't hear. Shh. Because I'm focused on that other table because I'm taking notes. Right. I'm going to write this down. And, you know, I, I waited tables before becoming oh, a nurse. Me too. It was, it was, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a similar thing. You know, you're, you know, walking into a situation, people coming into a situation they don't know. I mean, it's just um, obviously one is much different than the other. But, yeah, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Well, can I have, um, you know, this but not this and this but not that, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And, and, and the, yeah. The, the patience level of people like I find like when people are sick and when they're hungry, it's basically the same thing. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. There's and you know, and yeah. Well, and it's funny because everyone went on about when Harry met Sally, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it was such a great movie, and I loved it." And um, friends of mine would say, "Oh, you wait tables, you'll love this scene," and I'm thinking, "No, no, I won't," because <laughs> those are the kind of people that spend a lot of my time getting specific, and they don't tip. <laughs> Yes. No. Yes. That is so true. So in my um, Plan B and Plan C series, there's mm-hmm. one of those women in there, Beatrice yeah. Buchanan. When she orders a lunch, oh, my God, you better sit down for this one. <laughs> With yeah. her, her chicken cubes, not not sliced, and the dressing on the side, and no tomatoes, and oh, you, wanna, yeah. you just want to split your wrist. Yeah, I remember I worked at a restaurant. Um, it's in it's called Green, Texas. It's spelled G R U E N E. It's German, um, and uh, it was this 
restaurant that they called the grist mill, but it's, it was an old cotton gin, but it had been there for years. And, um, and, but their kitchen was only so big, so they could only do like two different sides. And they had green beans, which they call green beans. Um, and then they'd have green fries, which was round potatoes, but it was French fries. Okay. And, um, and I remember one time this woman uh, ordered and I brought her her food and she's like, I didn't order these. And she was talking about the French fries. She goes, I ordered French fries. I said, well, those are green fries. <laughs> and it's the same thing. She goes, well, they don't look the same. And it's like, well, they are, I promise. And then another woman argued with me about, well, the last time I was here, I got a baked potato. And I'm like, um, that wasn't here because we didn't have ovens. Right. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm sure you had the same. Oh, I had stories like that, but I also had the things that people would do to get a free meal would boggle oh, my right. mind. I once had someone, I watched them take a bug out of a Ziploc bag and put it on their plate to say there was a bug in their food. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never had we, that. But, yeah. I worked in a friendlies, and I had everything. <laughs> yeah. I had a uh, the very first job I had was at a Farrell's ice cream parlor, um, and that was yeah you got to wear the outfit to look like a nineteen teens Gibson girl type, you know, thing, and you had to it was a, there was a lot of ice cream involved. Um, oh so, yeah. yeah. Did you did you have to make your own ice cream or did someone make it for you? Um, they made so there was someone in the kitchen that made like the burgers and all the stuff, and then there was somebody behind the counter making sundaes. But we had to learn how in case you know, it was like a slower time and that we didn't have that person there. So, yeah, we had to, we had to learn it. Okay, so and we had others, to do all of yeah. the ice cream. No one did mm-hmm. it for us. So I would be scooping ice cream for like an eight-hour shift, and mm-hmm. I would come home covered, like just ice cream just attached to me because you'd have to like go in the, the six-gallon Mm-hmm. container of mm-hmm. ice cream and I, I couldn't I couldn't touch ice cream for five years after I stopped working there oh it yeah just, like it just turned me off well and I get, just, get I just great forearms with it you know <clears throat> right you get great forearms with it and you know but if the ice cream is like super frozen you're waiting mm-hmm. like it's trying to chip out cement um so yeah it's it's always we had this thing where you could they'd have birthday parties there of course and um there was this one thing that you could order a Sunday, a hot fudge Sunday, and it came with a pitcher of hot fudge and 30 scoops of ice cream. Oh, and it went, yeah, it was this huge um, bowl, like a common bowl, and you were supposed to, like, you know, you pour the stuff and you get all the whipped cream on it and everything, and then everybody sings happy birthday, and then you scoop out and give the kids some amounts. Um, but, of course, you know, that kid wanted that scoop, and I want that many cherries, and it was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jim Dandies were were my nightmare, so that mm-hmm. would be five scoops of ice cream and a banana split, and nobody would ever oh. just have a Jim Dandy with vanilla. It would be vanilla, mint chocolate chip, butter pecan, strawberry, and chocolate. And by the time you got to that last scoop, and no one would just yeah. have one at the table, it would be five of them. It would be twenty-five yeah. scoops of ice cream, and I wanted to cry. Yeah. Well, I know for the um, the Sundays, like if they have parties, those those big ones, they would actually pre-scoop it. So they would already have them, so you would just pop them in the bowl, um, which brilliant. they froze. 
Um, but yeah, and then you know, it, but yeah, it was always you come home and you're just covered in all sorts of food and grease and yeah, your hair smells and yeah, it's it's right. not a it's not a fun job. It, I mean, obviously, you it's can take job. lots of notes, like you're saying. Yeah, it's a job, but I mean, it gets you to the next step, hopefully. So yeah. Oh, I, I miss it. I always say I want to have a guest shift someplace. I just I want to wait tables again, <laughs> not permanently, just you know, just for a few hours, get a few materials, right, and <laughs> run around a little bit, and then go home and never come back. I, yeah, I think some of it is also. I, can I still do that? Yes, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's that feeling of are those skills still there? Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, Once you do yeah. it, you know, it's like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Or that's what I tell mm-hmm. myself anyway. Right. Did you, um, at Friendly's, did you guys serve alcohol at all? Because no. we don't have Friendly's here. Okay. No, so it's like it was a burger like a place. typical like, burger place, ice cream parlor, a lot of kids, okay. very kid-friendly. Okay. But okay. I was a 16-year-old cocktail waitress at a catering hall. So that was okay. entertaining. So, yeah, so that was that was fun. So I was 16, not old enough to serve or do anything. But that's how old we were. And I remember we had bartenders, but every once in a while they'd disappear. And some lady at my table asked me for a pina colada. And I mm-hmm. knew it was pina colada mix and rum. So I figured, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. I'm going to do it myself. And mm-hmm. what I know? I was 16. So I poured, like, maybe three quarters of a glass of rum. And then oh, a wow. bit of pina colada mix, and I gave it to her. And she was an older woman. I thought I almost killed her. <laughs> Wasn't but she probably had a great time. Oh yeah, she was she was dancing a lot, <laughs> loosened her up a little. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I bartended as well, and um, I remember I was working at a restaurant, um, and I said, well, I'd like to learn to bartend, and they said, okay, that sounds great, and um, so they were training me a few shifts, and then the guy who was training me said, okay, well, really, it's very slow between two and four, so I'm gonna go. <clears throat> And the, really the only people that come in during this time is are people that just order beers, you know, whatever, something real simple, margarita machine set up. <clears throat> and no sooner, and I'm not lying, no sooner had he walked out that door, four <gasps> women came in who wanted lemon drops. Oh, God. And that's, yeah. And I just thought, are you kidding me? And um, so for anyone who doesn't know, you have to get a frosted glass, you have to sugar the rim, and then you have to squeeze lemon juice and add vodka, so it's like a lemon drop. And they ordered like three or four rounds of those in a couple hours. And I was just like, oh, seriously? Yeah. And then they didn't tip. So, like, what is up with that? Yeah. That, that just drives me crazy. I know. So it, it's, I think a lot of times it's people who know, have no idea. And to me, it's like you should How at least be observant. How do you not have any idea? Right, but it's like just at least be observant, you know, and see the craziness that's going on. And even though I'm the only one, I'm back there for a while making these drinks. It's not like I'm, you know, filing my nails and, you know, wait, making you wait on purpose. So, yeah, I think it's just an observance thing, but whatever. We all, I live through it, and so it's all, it's all part of the story. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, and it's, it's great stories. Did you still ever yeah. have those recurring nightmares when you're still waiting tables and the food didn't come out? I mean, I still have yes. that. Yes. From time <laughs> to time I do. Later. I'm like, oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, like, sit up and go, oh, okay, that's not reasonable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not doing this again. No. <laughs> yep. Oh. 
So thank you so much for being here today, Hillary. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Absolutely. And then you've been on the Holly Jolly, um, the, the, the hop, right, the, for yes. Chiclet Chat? Yes. So yeah, when are I, you on? I was on yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. So my post is live. Okay. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So if you guys want to go and get in on some really cool giveaways and books and everything else, you need to check out Hillary's Facebook page, and the link will be in the write-up of the show, as well as her Twitter and Instagram and her website and her author page on Amazon where you can get her books. So thank you so much, Hillary. Please come back when that next book is out. Let's talk some more. Thanks. I would love that. I would love it. Thank you so much, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Please keep reading and please stay safe. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.